Hey there, and welcome back to On Thriving Astrology and More with me, your host, Taylor Schuler. I am very excited to finally release, this is another episode from the quote-unquote archives of 2022. This was a really important episode for me personally to record. Uh, the guest, Lauren Schwind, is a really phenomenal person, and the work she does is really important. And the way that she was vulnerable and open on this episode was more, everything and more that I could have hoped for. My intention when I started this show was to have people tell their stories about life, about overcoming things that were difficult, about understanding the meaning, the lesson, the invitation, and a challenge that was presented to them, and to talk openly about it because we all go through stuff. We all have hard times. We all struggle. And one of the things that I find to be helpful is when we're open enough, vulnerable enough, strong enough to be vulnerable, like Brene Brown says, strong back, soft front, wild heart, to share our story. And so Lauren gave me the privilege of being able to consult with her chart and also for us to witness her story. So I will introduce Lauren. Lauren Schwind helps overwhelmed artists and designers who feel stuck to reframe their artistic practice as ritual so they can reclaim their creative magic, find their flow and follow its momentum. And Lauren tells us about her journey and how she found it. And it involves uh, coloring books, uh, surprisingly, and astrology and the pandemic and being a, an artist and a teacher. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Let me know in the comments what questions, what do you love about Lauren? And I hope you connect with her. So here we go. Hi, welcome back. So we're here today with Lauren Schwind. I'm so happy to have her. Lauren is someone who helps overwhelmed artists and designers who feel stuck in order to reframe their artistic practice as ritual so that they can reclaim their creative magic, find their flow, and follow its momentum. So welcome, Lauren. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah. So for those who don't already know you, tell us a little bit more about yourself. So I'm an intuitive artist and art ritual facilitator. I like to reframe art as ritual so that we can get more out of our creative gifts, get out of overwhelm, use it as a form of self-care, and just have a little bit more creative freedom without pressure. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. You know, it's like how we are supposed to be naturally, how we live naturally, intuition is just so natural. And so is creativity. So I think it's really beautiful how you have embodied that and made it part of your life and an offering for other people who, who are in need. So that's really cool. So one of the things that we talk about uh, here is that we all go through stuff, right? And unfortunately, we don't talk about it all the time. Uh, because 
We don't because of stigma, because of society, because of the past, because of all the things. And I really think that sharing our stories helps other people to learn and it helps to normalize things that are completely natural for us to go through. And it helps other people to learn, right? And it helps us to learn and grow because as we share, as we teach, we grow ourselves too. So um, have you gone through something that kind of has informed who you are today? Uh, that's sort of a transformative journey that maybe informs your practice? Yes. Um, actually, I think, well, as most of us had a really collective experience with um, the pandemic, um, I guess my answer to this is actually twofold. So part of what really helped inspired me was becoming an SEL and art teacher. I used to teach elementary school art. And when we started working online, I was uh, asked to infuse social emotional learning into art. And as I did that, as I learned from my co-teacher, which was so great to work with another teacher for the first time in my teaching career, as um, most art teachers work alone, I got to learn so much about SEL, about the tools of regulation, and that really helped shape some of what I do today with art as ritual because I saw how supportive it was for my students. And I wanted to see that same support um, for adults that we all need more regulation around really intense times. A side effect um, of teaching online was a lot of extra stress. And so that triggered a mental health crisis for myself, um, which I know I'm not alone with, as you stated, it's, we need to talk about it. And I think a lot of us felt the pressure. I certainly had such a struggle in the beginning of my mental health crisis, finding help just because so many people were looking for help. So resources were definitely strained. Um, but my mental health crisis, um, you know, I, I'm very lucky. I was able to get the help that I needed and take time off of work, which is the real like privilege that I'm really thankful for. Um, and through that, I learned a lot about how I had really internalized certain ideology that I know now to be toxic spirituality, how I was not alone in my feelings. Um, my mother had an, ex- an experience that was similar. Um, so that this it kind of, kind of allowed me to acknowledge that this mental health crisis was not necessarily just a me thing, but it is something that has been in my family. This is something that um, I don't need to be ashamed about. And um, from there, getting the help has really, and, and in using what I learned as an SEL teacher, I really try to create sacred creative space that allows people to nurture themselves, to take care of themselves and make space for mistakes and allow that to be okay and feel good about it even. Wow. Thank you so much. I'm sorry for what you've been through. And I really thank you for sharing. It's important for others to hear and 
and I can tell that there is a compassion in you. I'm sure it has always been there, but these experiences can soften us, right? They can kind of bring us some kind of compassion and help us connect with others. And you're right. It's been, there's a a nationwide, global-wide mental health crisis right now. So we're all experiencing it individually, but access to resources is really, really difficult. And that's one of the other things that I love to talk with folks about is what resources did you find? What, what, what did help you? And, you know, sometimes it is just like, okay, you know, we have insurance and we got uh, connected to um, a medical professional to help us either talk or to, to do things. But sometimes there's other things that are helpful too, that are outside of conventional wisdom. So are there any things like that, that you found along your journey uh, that you found helpful? Well, it's really interesting because, um, you know, in my healing journey, at least I, started with everything unconventional. I was going for hikes every day. I was super healthy eating, taking lots of plant medicine. And not to say that those things are invalid because I think those things are great tools for so many people, but I eventually just ran into a wall. I found that they had their limitations to the point that it actually wasn't giving me the help that I needed. And so that really forced me to come to terms with like, okay, maybe I have some thoughts and feelings about Western medicine that have been internalized because of uh, trauma. I would say I definitely have some therapy trauma, um, which is completely valid. I've talked to a lot of people that it can be very difficult getting the help you need, not just because of lack of resources, but because sometimes we have been harmed in this westernized system of just a capitalistic, okay, let's bring a patient out of patient and a patient out of patient and not really see the person. Um, but what I, I found that helped me was I started with therapy, got into group therapy, um, intensive outpatient specifically, um, that really helped me out in, group therapy specifically, I think was one of the greatest tools that I had never even considered until I got into that place. But what I found with group therapy being in community was I had so many people to share their tools and their experience. And that became really powerful. And one of the tools that was shared with me um, was positive affirmations. And That was kind of an interesting one because as I was dealing with, okay, my internalized struggle with toxic spirituality and coming to terms with, okay, maybe I do need some Western medicine and being very anxious about that. I was like, okay, let's, let's try this. So I downloaded an app and put a little um, alert that sent me a positive affirmation every hour. And it just felt really good to, you know, there were some that I would like, you know, Okay, that wasn't really helpful, but it it didn't make any switches turn off, but it became like just one of those little things to support me throughout the day, especially if I'm like constantly being on my phone or looking at the news because that also created so much anxiety, still does. Um have to balance that. Having that little reminder, some message really did make an impact, I think. And so that was a really big support. 
Um, and also just having a really good support system. I think I'm very thankful for um, my now husband who was very, you know, I was able to tell him what was going on and he just did everything to support. And again, I feel like that is such a blessing because I've also been in relationships where my partner was not supportive. (laughs) I have had other um, mental health struggles that were not well-received And that, again, I I have to come back with so much gratitude because those things are also so rare. Having a good support system is super key and very blessed by that. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. You know, having a community, I'm just looking at my notes, having community is so important. The positive affirmations, like everything you've said, I'm like, I've done it too. I've been there too. I did the thing and the thing sometimes works and the thing sometimes doesn't work. And I think it's so important to have a balance of all of these things because at the end of the day, I think it's really rare that we find a magic anything, a magic Mm -hmm. solution. It's really the right combination of many modalities that are going to help us at the right time. And it's not like throw the kitchen sink at everyone all at once all the time. But, you know, you might need a little bit of this here and a little bit of that over there. And there is a balance between Western and non-unconventional or traditional, natural, whatever you want to call it, ways of doing things. And being in community, other people really is so healing. And I, I'm also looking at your chart and I can see some really beautiful stuff there from what you're saying. So, mm. yeah. And so, so did any of that then lead you back to what you do now, which I think helps make the world a better place. So can you tell, tell us a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, so two things really happened for me. Um, And I'm trying to think in what order, but I guess one thing that happened um, a few months, I would say six months into my recovery, I got really inspired. I felt like just, you know how in Greek mythology, they talk about the muses that Mm -hmm. just kind of like plop little thoughts in your head. Um, It felt like either the muses or God, the universe, like all of a sudden, as I I'm still kind of like working with a psychiatrist, doing this work, reintegrating into my school and and finishing out my my teaching year. I suddenly got struck with an idea to make a child, uh, not a children's book, a uh, adult coloring book for adults with mental illness. And it was a few things leading up that really supported that decision. One of which being I um, worked with an amazing astrologer named Brady Waller, who goes by the mythic landscape on Instagram, I got to illustrate um, planetary pause for them. And they had the great idea to sell their Kickstarter, you know, one of the prizes for Kickstarter, or rewards rather, was a download. And so people were downloading the coloring book, I mean, um, the astrological book, and printing it out. And I saw some people on Instagram tag me, they were coloring in my drawings and I just thought it was so cool, so magical. And so thinking about my, like all of a sudden I'm in recovery and it just hit me. Like, what if I use positive affirmations in my drawings to create a coloring book that helps support mental health and just makes adults feel a little better because one of my big 
um, journeys, what I was learning and what I was sharing with folks from teaching SEL, from teaching intuitive art and really like putting those things together over the years was that we can use art to help regulate our emotions. We can use art to help us get out of our heads. Um, We can use art as a healing modality so that we're not just so focused on the ruminating thoughts or the anxiety that's living inside of us. And that's interesting, I think, because I've, as an artist, have felt a lot of anxiety making art over the years. And I graduated from college, really lost, not feeling any connection to art. And I had to relearn my connection by working intuitively and no longer putting that pressure on myself. So through the pressure cooker that was 2020, 2021, um, I really kind of distilled this passion for supporting folks by using art as a way to care for yourself, to also use art ritual to get out of the slumps that happen in our creative practices and really move with so much more ease and inspiration so that we're feeling really connected to ourselves, our creativity, our inner child, all that good stuff. I love this story. It's so beautiful. It's beautiful because you're creating beautiful things, but it's also beautiful because you're illustrating for us that it really is. You don't know how, where the journey will help you end up at the end of the day or the end of the journey, or if there is an end, Uh, Mm. but you don't know what, what, is ahead until you start going. And then you can look back and be like, wow, I did the thing for the person. And then other people did stuff in response. And now I do this thing and it just kind of falls into place. And I'm sure a lot of folks can relate. I can certainly relate to that. Had very similar experiences where for many years, people are like, Taylor, you do all these different things and it doesn't make any sense. And I don't really understand. And are you ever going to just hold down a job? (laughs) It's like, you know what? I needed all of those things to inform me to then help, help me be where I am today and where I'm going to be tomorrow. Right. Um, And absolutely. Yeah. I certainly relate to, the coloring book and mental health and helping us to regulate our emotions. That's awesome. I've I've done it myself. I have family members who really got into the mandalas and all different kinds of things when they've been going through their own uh, mental health struggles as well. And at one point it felt like there's a lot of this, this thing going on with my family, like texting, like, did you see the new coloring book? And uh, so it's, it's wonderful. And I love that you put the positive affirmations in there too. Um, I'm, I also do the text messages. I get the emails and yes. yeah, the news can be, it can be a lot, right? It can be a lot to, to see that and take it in every day. And I think there's something to be said for being aware versus being inundated and not having boundaries that you need to care for yourself because at mm-hmm. some point we are aware, right. Of all of the horrible things that and atrocities and trauma that happen every single day. And at what point can we say for our own sake and for our own well-being, we need to put some boundaries around that and not take it in so that we can be well enough to live our lives as we deserve to. And, you know, hopefully nothing ever happens 
to us or people we know, but also to help other people in their lives. Because if mm-hmm. we're not well, if we don't put our own oxygen mask on, then how are we going to live our lives and then help other people, especially those in need? Absolutely. So um, let's see other things. Uh, yeah, just, I love the creative. I love the, the, the coloring book, the positive affirmations and uh, what you do to help people. So I think we probably can, can dive into your chart a little bit. So you said that you had a uh, reading with an astrologer. So what was your knowledge of astrology and what was that? Uh, what was that like? And was it helpful for you? Well, I've actually had my chart kind of read like four different times. And each time I feel like I learn more and more. Um, The last reading being actually with Brady Waller, I uh, saw that they were doing your head readings. I was like, this is the one let's go. (laughs) Um, So I, I found that one to be really interesting um, because for the first time it was full sign house instead of um, what's the other one with the, Oh, there's a lot. So there's Placidus, there's whole whole sign. There's Placidus, there's Coke. I use Reggio Montanus at the moment. Um, But yeah, it was probably Placidus is what most folks are familiar with. Yes. I think that's what it was. So that, that was my first time using whole sign houses. And I will say, I think it, I resonated with it a little more, um, probably because I didn't have a stellium in the sixth house anymore. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) It was just a get all that in a different house. Thank you. Yeah. Um, So maybe there's some favoritism there because of that, but seeing my chart and whole sign house was just really interesting because there, it's not that everything is completely different. It's just that there are certain indicators that are a little bit more shifted. And I found that to be an interesting shift because having a night chart and having such a condensed in one area night chart can seem a little intense. I think it like definitely reads really heavy. Um, So every chart reading I think has been really supportive. It's never, I've never gone through a chart reading and been like, yeah, that wasn't right. (laughs) Um, I definitely, except for, oh, one person who indicated a few different things. I can't even remember what their reading of it was, but it, it didn't even have my ascendant being in the same. And I was like, I am a cancer rising and I resonate with that very, very heavy. (laughs) Um, But it's always really like it, it almost is like peel, putting it like Shrek, peeling layers of an onion. Every time someone else reads my chart, it's just like, wow, these are parts of myself that I know are there, but you're making me so much more aware of them in a way that I can like orient myself or just bring more awareness to. Yes. Okay, so I will share your chart now if that's okay with you. Thank you for those reflections. Uh, (laughs) I love that. That's what I love about astrology too. If you can have your chart read again, and I mean, not every week, but, you know, throughout your life or once or twice a year, 
especially by different people. I mean, I don't know if you saw the same person every time. It sounds like you didn't, um, at least two mm-hmm. different people. Uh, you really do get different insights because every astrologer, just like every person on the planet, has had different life experiences. And so they've learned things differently, but they've also learned through their clients. That's something not everyone talks about, but we learn through our clients. Uh, you know, we know some basic things, but then the clients help us to learn. And then we kind of collect that data and we're like, oh, okay, this can help the next one. So here we go. Here's, here's the chart that I have for you. Does every, does the data look correct to you up in the top? It does. Okay, perfect. And so what we see here is a 29 degree cancer rising. Is that what you're familiar with? Um, I believe so. It's been a while since I've seen, um, this version of my chart. Yeah. So I get, so we're going to put it in whole sign too, so that you can see it in whole sign. Uh, because I think it'll be really cool to look at the differences. Cause this is what I do in my head because I also have a 29 degree ascendant or rising sign. And so it can be really tricky to go from, okay, if I'm at the anoretic degree what, between 27, 28, 29 degrees of a sign, the very last degrees of a, of a sign, yes, that's my rising sign or mid heaven or other angle, but using different house systems dramatically changes the chart and there are shreds of truth Sometimes we might like them and sometimes we don't. And I have had strong reactions to uh, my chart being in different systems. And it kind of just takes me a while to say, uh, that's all right. Like I can see the good in it. Cause I think that there, there is a lot of scary astrology. And when we don't know about astrology because it's already stigmatized, it's already been oppressed. We've already been alienated from that knowledge when we don't know something, when we, you know, are, are ignorant about something, we approach things with fear, you know, fear and ignorance go hand in hand. And then when someone says something scary, like don't go see the eclipse or, uh, you know, the, the sixth house is just bad stuff or the 12th house is bad stuff or the eighth house is bad stuff. It's like, how could that be? How could I live my whole life not knowing astrology and bad stuff didn't happen. Or maybe I look back and I see it, it did happen, but it's like, it, it's just not that black and white is my point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is a science and it is an art. Uh, so yeah. anyway, enough of my blathering on <laughs> waxing poetic about uh, astrological theory and practice. So we see that you have a 29 degree cancer rising. So that's your ascendant. And so you show up with this cancerian energy. Cancers are very nurturing, very nourishing. They can kind of go with the flow. There's deep emotions there with cancers too. And there's there's a lot going on on the inside that's not showing on the surface all the time. And especially when we have someone who's a Capricorn who shows up, the sun in Capricorn, who shows up like, I got my stuff together and I'm going to take it one step at a time. And I'm professional and you know i'm responsible and i'm mature and i might also have a really dry sense of humor so you're going to think i'm hilarious <laughs> um or maybe you don't get it and it goes over your head but uh there's there is this like you know i've got the structure i've got what i need and so how could there possibly be anything going on um 
behind the surface, but but there is. And so that brings a sense of caring and compassion and understanding for other people. Cancer is also sometimes really like tradition and can be nostalgic or like antiques and things like that, because it is that uh, maternal energy that kind of brings in from previous generations. Uh, and so sometimes with cancers, you see like their house decorated with uh, with antiques or something like that. Not all the time, but uh, that sometimes happens. So, so that's the appearance. That's the personality that shows up for the world. And we also see Jupiter in the first sign. Here it's in the 12th house, but it is in the first sign. And Jupiter loves being in Cancer. Jupiter's abundance and generosity. It is the greater benefic. It represents uh, what kind of teacher or guru we can be or that we gravitate towards and having it in the first sign or in whole sign houses in the first house shows someone who's a great leader and a really great teacher. Oh, yay. I'm glad that worked <laughs> out. <laughs> and actually, I think there's something to be said when you merge the two house systems. When you have something that's in the first sign in the 12th house, I actually think it makes it even more powerful. The 12th house is where we find planets for people who are really strong, show up in the world in really strong ways. Uh, so for example, presidents, many celebrities have more than one planet in the 12th house. Mm. The 12th house is one of those places where if you do scary astrology, you're going to say, oh, you know, you're going to be bedridden and in the hospital and get sick or have to go to rehab or, you know, something's going to happen. And I don't prescribe to that. It might be true. Uh, and it might very well not be true. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I don't think our presidents have been like, in jail or imprisoned or any of those scary 12th house things for the most part, right? Uh, I don't recall any. They just go out and be famous and strong and powerful. And part of the reason for that is the 12th house represents a lot of different things. One of them is pregnancy, like what it was like for us to be in the womb. And I mm. think we can extrapolate that to when we're out of the womb and alive, like what is our incubation? What is our growth period? What does the behind the scenes work look like that leads to our strengthening, to our empowerment and to our growth that you can't see? You can't see the baby growing in the womb. I mean, we have ultrasounds, but you can't transparently see through a pregnant person's stomach and womb. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't know the growth that's going on behind the scenes there. And that's true once we exit the womb and we're, we're out in the world on our own too. And so those planets have this, this really special signature. So Jupiter's happy in Cancer. Cancer's a beautiful sign. And you've got both the 12th house and the first house uh, or first sign energy going on, which I think is uh, a blessing, you know? And it, it's, it's also hard for mm -hmm. us to see because if we think, we think about astrology in terms of geometry and the geometry is how we can see something. Can we see something easily or do we see something with a little bit of difficulty? And we just think about like our eyes and where we can see, like, can we see this way? Like not so easy. It's a little irritating. We can see this way really well. This is like a trying aspect, but um, 
but this thing that's like kind of behind our head, like we might be able to feel like, you know, when someone's standing behind you, you can feel them, <laughs> but you really can't see them. And so your Jupiter is in this place where it's like, it's kind of behind you and you can't see it. And so when folks have a planet that's in a place where people can't see, sometimes we just don't know how great we are. Mm. And those are so, I think a lot of people, like the people who don't know how great they are, are the people that are the most loved too, if you think about it. It's like, oh, well, they don't even know how great they are. And, and so, because it brings this kind of humility of like, I just love them. They're great. And, but I think we need to learn from that because we need to make sure that we're sharing with people what we love about them and reflecting to them who they are or how we see them so that we can take that feedback ourselves and, and really own our own power and own who we are and how we show up in the world uh, and adjust when we need to. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'll just pause there. Cause I've been talking a lot. Does any of this resonate with you or is it different from what you've heard before? Or does it not work? No, I, I love this interpretation. I also love how you are really sticking up for the sixth and the 12th house because they do get a bad rap. And that has been, sorry, I've got to let her out now real quick. No my worries. Apologies. Go ahead. Oh my God. Oh, that's Um, so what you were saying about, um, the sixth and the 12th house, I just really appreciate it because as someone that has such stuff going on there, it has made me had to pause a lot when people are reading for me and like, go, okay, what, what does that really mean though? Or like, not that anyone's been super doom and gloom necessarily, but how can I interpret this in a way that is not necessarily the most doom and gloom? Because the, the sixth house is, is sometimes known as um, the house of sickness, or I've even heard the house of slavery, which I took as like, okay, maybe this is a house that's more of service because that doesn't really, that's not really what this means at this point in time of history. Like, what can this actually mean in, in this modern time? And that to me has been, okay, I'm to live a life of service. And that wasn't necessarily something that I didn't resonate with. Um, so I just really love what you're, you're saying about the, the 12th and the sixth house. But I also, I've never heard that connection with the 12th house in pregnancy. And I think that that stands out to me because my my mother had a really interesting pregnancy with me. Um, I was 10 days late. I didn't want to get out. <laughs> I, I joke that I think my uh, Ven- I wanted to wait until my Venus was also in Capricorn because my Venus is retrograde at zero degrees. So I was like, come on, <laughs> I want all of it. <laughs> and I, yeah. um, thankfully she got me out of there before that could happen. Um, I, I like having a Venus and Aquarius. I think it's yeah. light, um, but I love that connection. I think that I'm going to ruminate on that for sure. Oh, good. I'm glad. I think that we have enough out in the world that is out there to help us get down on ourselves that we don't need this adding to it. And actually, I think it just, it perpetuates the alienation from tools that 
can empower us like astrology or anything else when we when we perpetuate these these things that are from ancient times and are based in archetypes and experiences and millennia of experience but they also came from people who were more focused on if there was going to be a war and who was going to win and do we need to replace the king right you know astrology wasn't used in this way so mm-hmm. uh yeah, anytime I can share something that's going to help folks out, I'm happy to do that. And I don't think it's toxic positivity because I'll be straight with you. You know, like if you're sick, like I'll I'll tell you what, you know, I won't tell you why. I don't want to say why. Like I know everything. I don't know everything. But like, yeah, like you want to go there, we can talk about it. But that's not where I'm going to go first. Um, and the sixth house, yeah, slavery, uh, you know, you could say co-workers instead of slavery, uh, because I'm sure we do still have slavery in parts of the world and we have horrible things that happen with work. The majority of us today and those who are watching and listening to this are not going to be in a situation like that. And so how do you have a house of something that it's not applicable? It, It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense because a chart really does represent our whole life. And so how could we have, not a part of our life. And so there are other ways to interpret the sixth house. And I think one of them, you can say service, you can say like living a life of service, but I actually like to think of it as developing expertise in a very specific set of skills that are needed to share with the community, that are needed to help, that are needed to teach. And a lot of the time, it's a kind of skill that's passed on whether we know it or not, whether it's intentional or not, from our lineage. So it could be like someone in the community, like an aunt or an uncle or like a neighbor or a teacher that taught us something. Um, Or it could be, you know, it comes from our maternal or paternal line. And there are folks who are not connected with their biological parents It can be biological, it can be adopted, it can be whatever. There is magic in the world, (laughs) how we get these things, right? And and it's going to be different for everyone. So folks with a, with a, with a sixth house that has a lot of, have a lot of planets or heavy emphasis may or may not experience illness, may or may not love their pets. The pets are another sixth house thing. Um, some of my first readings I gave were to two veterinary students at Cornell University, and they didn't tell me that they were in the vet school at Cornell. And uh, I just saw something going on. I think it was like a, a Saturn Mars connection in like the the third and the and the sixth house. And there was also some Pluto there. And I was like, someone might be doing surgery on small animals. <laughs> they were like, yeah, we're in vet school. So, um, you know, like it could be work tied to small animals too. Um, or it could just be, hey, I'm here to help people heal or to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, because service doesn't have to just be like, I'm giving all the time. You know, I think there's this connotation of service that's like, I don't get anything and I have to like, you know, work myself to the bone. Right. That difference of service and servitude for sure. Yeah. So with that said, um, we've had this in, uh, before we go, yeah. um, is the sixth house associated with Virgo? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. 
That has been a really good help for me connecting it with Virgo because that as my moon in Virgo, I'm like, okay, I I understand that part. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great connection that you've made that, that, that moon in Virgo. So we'd say that, that Virgo is the natural ruler of the sixth house is one way to put it. Um, And when we talk about signs and houses, it's kind of like the difference between an adjective and a noun. So nouns are usually found in houses and adjectives are usually the signs. So, so having Virgo rule the third house would suggest that the nouns of communication and neighborhood, neighbors, uh, siblings are going to be of a Virgo nature with the adjectives of caring, healing, uh, discerning, analytical, uh, things like that. And so having your moon in the third house means the moon is your emotions, it's your body, um, it's maternal energy. So it can describe what kind of mother you would be or what kind of mother you have or had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um yeah, and, and that there or where we can find comfort, how we need to nourish and nurture ourselves. And so you might be someone who really needs to talk about their emotions, who needs to talk about their feelings. Or with someone else, they might be like, no, I don't talk about my feelings. I analyze them because I'm a Virgo. But but I, you know, when I'm with when I'm with my siblings, I feel really comfortable. I feel at home, like I feel cared for. Or my I have a, a sister who's a chef. Like it could be as simple as that, like, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, so I will. um, Yeah. So was there anything else there with like the Virgo and the sixth house that you're reflecting on now? No, I think both of those are good points to like lead on. I just, I, I really, I'm I'm not so upset about my sixth house. I really appreciate that. Oh, good. (laughs) And you know what, actually, uh, before we go, the other thing I wanted to point out is that I love your seventh house in Reggio Montanus or another house system that puts the planets in your sixth, because you end up having your North node and Venus in the seventh house. And how amazing is that when you were talking about, it was community who helped you when you were going through your, your crisis, Aquarius is community. And so it tells us that seventh house represents the partners, the kind of whether it's a spouse or a business partner, or just like a partner in life, it shows you that your partners are of an Aquarian quality. They are forward thinking. They could be scientific. They're certainly community minded. You know, they want to make the world a better place. And so actually finding community as a partner in your healing and having the North node there, which is sort of like the end of an arrow. It's like, what the arrow is pointed at, it's where you really need to move towards. It's asking you to move towards the partners, asking you to move towards this uh, future-oriented community who's really going to help and support you, Venus, in a Venusian relationship, loving, beautiful way. Um, And it's interesting, too, Venus represents money, that when you had this beautiful thing that you did, the coloring book, the the astrology uh, art that was in the Kickstarter was a community of people, Aquarius, who Venus were giving money 
for this beautiful art, which is another Venus thing. And it was like, yes, like you're, you know, the energy was here, go towards that. It's, it's working for you. So, so I'd love to see that too. Um, now I'll share your chart. Any reflections on that? No, I really feel with that. And I think that's also why I'm gravitating towards private work because having that one-on-one connection with people feels very much Venus in the seventh house, having that, mm-hmm. like, we, we commune together in this tight way rather than like necessarily 11th house, which is like, yeah. you know, a lot bigger, bigger groups. In scope. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And <clears throat> okay. So now I will share your chart. So we see the, the ruler of, and this is whole sign houses. Um, and so we see the ruler of the 11th house, which is the groups of people sign of Taurus, the, the planet that rules Taurus is Venus. So even in the other system, your 11th sign is still going to be ruled by Venus. And mm-hmm. so there is this balance there between community and one-on-one work and partners. And I think that's awesome. <laughs> and that's why I like to switch between our systems because it tells a much more robust story than if you were to, to just look at one and, and not like it. Because the truth is people are going to see us differently, right? And mm-hmm. if we can see ourselves differently and we can be flexible and, hey, I see myself like this and, and, and I evolved in my life and now I see myself in this way, or this person's from a very different culture and so they see me in this way, I think it can really help us understand that there's not this fixity to astrology that many people have a resistance towards, that there's like just fate and no free will. Like there actually Mm -hmm. is a lot of mutability and possibility that I find really empowering in astrology, especially with switching house systems. So Mm -hmm. what else did I want to talk about with your chart? Um, We talked about service. We talked about scary astrology. We talked about the 29 degree cancer rising. And uh, what we didn't talk about yet was the creativity. So <clears throat> excuse me, in in this system too, there's still sixth house energy. You've got Mars in the sixth house, right? Mm-hmm. So like I, any way you slice it, it's like, hey, there's sixth house here. Like you got to pay attention to what's going on here. This is energy for you to work with. Um, and Mars is how we take action. Mars is what we're willing to fight for, what we're willing. And, and I don't just want to say like fight in a violent way, but like what we're willing to take action towards. Like, what am I willing to put my energy out into? And um, I love Mars and Sag. I also have Mars and Sag and Venus and Aquarius and Sun and Capricorn. We have so much in common. Um, I love that. <laughs> um, and Pluto and Scorpio. Um, so, uh, you know, what? how am I willing to take action to... Um, whatever it is to, to develop my skills um, and are my skills going to be informed by Sagittarius foreign cultures or my uh, academic career or what I've been learning or because I like to travel. And then we can look to this, to the other houses that Mars is in charge of. It's in charge of your 10th house, the sixth, the 10th and the second are called the career houses. They show us mm-hmm. our money, they show us uh, our reputation, and then they show us what we do on a daily basis. And it's kind of like, I mean, another way you could look at Mars in the sixth house is like every day, my daily routine requires me to take action on something or requires me to move. 
in some way. Mm-hmm. It also, Mars rules your fifth house of creativity. So the fact that your work would be in, would be creative, that you're being asked to, to lean into your joy and pleasure, our fifth house topics. Uh, in addition to creativity, sometimes it's children. So sometimes people with a big fifth, you know, fifth house emphasis have children and their children are their life. And for other people, their children are creative projects. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And some people with fifth house really like to play games, board games, card games, um, any kind of chess, um, any kind of gambling. Uh, they like to, they like to play. It's the house of play, you know, let's just make a coloring book and let people play. Right. That's actually really funny that you say that or mention that word specifically, because on Instagram once a month, I try and set some time aside to do an Instagram live that I call creative play. So it's literally just, and a lot of it, it, what makes it even more interesting is a lot of what I do for creative play are 30 minute sessions that are deeply inspired by lessons I would teach when I was teaching SEL art. So very much from when I was teaching in the classroom, but taking that in a creative way and make a creative way and making it playful, making it something that we can kind of dive into in a way that makes it less um, high stakes, calling it play allows it to be less of a project or work. One thing I've started thinking about is using the word flow, whether rather than creative uh, work, doing creative flow because to remove that, that pressure, that work, like slash it, like just heavy on the, on the mind. So that really resonates and checks out as far as creative play for me being something I try and do on uh, like noon for like people's lunch breaks so that they can just have a 30 minute session to um, use art for self-care and just play around. I love it. And they, so, okay. Flow Scorpio is the fifth house and whole sign and Scorpio is a water sign. And so what does water do? It flows. And so when mm-hmm. you're talking about creative play, you're like, let's flow. And the other thing that's really cool Pluto is a generational planet. It takes a while to go through all the signs. I think it goes through Pluto the fastest. And so that's why as millennials, we're millennials are the Pluto and Scorpio generation. Why we kind of don't have a lot of us. We've got like um, people born between, I think it's 86 and 95 or so. Um, Whereas Pluto and Leo has like, it's like the baby boomers. There's a ton of them. Right. Um, So anyway, it's generational, but, and also, not everyone's going to have Pluto in Scorpio or Pluto in the fifth house. And you do have Pluto in Scorpio in the fifth house. And what Pluto can help us understand or learn about ourselves is where the energy for transformation and change and power lies. Pluto is Mm -hmm. our power, our seat of deep power. And so you have the power of transformative change when it comes to creative play and flow. Mm. And so, yeah, if people want to, work with you because they're looking for that you like they need to come to you like you you got the stuff you got the juice (laughs) oh I love that I I just the I love that language is playing such a beautiful part in this conversation as well just like making those connections right now it's like oh yes astrology is very 
it's so transformative because there are certain phrases or words that we can use to connect all these dots and like start to put together a whole book that, that a chart really plays. I love it. Yeah. And it's interesting because this, this echoes in the eighth house for you too, in whole sign where we don't see the, the North node and Venus in the seventh anymore in whole sign. We're going to see it in the eighth house and the eighth house is where we do the transformative work. Whether that transformative work is um, in therapy or wherever it needs to happen, um, there's a lot of different topics in the eighth house. Usually, I like to think of the eighth house as stuff that we don't talk about at the dinner table. Mm. So, nor when I was growing up, at least, and probably when you were growing up, we. Uh, I mean, my family did talk about astrology, but like, I couldn't just like go to my friend's house and be like, let's talk about astrology or Tarot. Like that wasn't a dinner table conversation. It was like, put on the TV, watch the news, like what TV show, what baseball kind of thing is going on. And the eighth house is like, do you have a mortgage? Do you have debt? Do you have an accountant? Do you have a psychiatrist or a psychologist? Or what are you grieving right now? And what is changing in your life? And what is kind of shifting right now. And so that's why the eighth house is another one of those like quote unquote scary things because we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's not scary. It's pretty natural. It's pretty normal. Uh, but it's really powerful if you do talk about it. So power and our superpower is found in the eighth house because mm-hmm. what kind of similar to that 12th house, that incubation period, that growth if you can go through eighth house growth, like you have got a whole new set of armor, shells, muscles uh, that you can you can go with. And so Scorpio and Pluto are natural rulers of the eighth house. And you've got that north node pointing towards someone who does deeply transformative work on themselves and others. And that Venus there of it being in relation with other people uh, and possibly being beautiful and possibly being a, a good good sign financially too, if we've got Venus in the in the eighth house. So um, the last thing that I'll say is we see the midheaven at 20 degrees of Aries. And so I'll just talk a little future stuff. Jupiter transiting in the sky is moving into, it has moved into Aries. And so it's a big time to like kind of get seen in the public, but what it means for you personally just to have a midheaven in Aries is someone who is known for being an individual and being themselves and very unique. And I think what you do is unique and amazing. And who you are is how people want to see you show up in the world. So I think that's pretty cool. That really hits um, for me and being that my artist's name is Subnormal Child. Being being unusual or being different has been a, a like an identifier for myself. So I've never, I you know, this is actually my first time hearing that around a midheaven in Aries. And it really makes a whole lot of sense as far as um, kind of being a weirdo growing up, also being super goth kid and the only goth in my, my friend group, um, just kind of having a very strong identity. So it just is like, huh? Okay. Yes. Midheaven. Yes. Aries. Yeah. I love it. I, I love, I love Aries. Uh, I think they're great. So um, any last questions before I um, stop sharing the chart? 
your um, reflections? Anything that you're like, I just want to correct the record <laughs> or uh, no. Okay. All of this makes a lot of sense. I also, it's so interesting because as you've mentioned there, you know, bad houses, quote unquote. Um, I think that's a really beautiful reframed, just thinking like um, I took a Lindsay Mack course for tarot. And so hearing, you know, her breaking down that there are no good or bad cards and tarot. I'm like, yes, there are no good or bad houses. We can just embrace this with neutrality and come out with a lot more digging for the gold in this like space instead of being like, well, it's too dark. I don't want to go in there. Absolutely. I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. And that's one of the things that I seek to do is reclaim knowledge that I think we deserve to know in order to empower us, because if we want to change the world and make it a better place, we are the ones we've been waiting for and no one's going to do it for us. And we have to think about why these things have been taught to us in this way that's harmful. When things don't feel good, whether it's watching the news or hearing about an eighth or 12th or sixth house that sounds scary or the devil card in tarot or the tower card or whatever it is, ask yourself why and does it help you to you know keep that belief in your life or is there what does it really help it really helps to keep you down mm-hmm. and we don't need any more help with that like i've been saying so um let's let's definitely reframe how how we see all of this so thank you so much for engaging in this conversation if folks have a desire to connect with you or find the coloring book or anything like that, where can they find you? Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, so I have a few things. I am subnormal child on Instagram. That's one great way to connect with me. Um, that's where I, I share my drawings and all that good stuff. I also have a Patreon. It's sliding scale. So folks can choose Um, the investment that feels best for them. And we do monthly creative circles. Um, So that's patreon.com forward slash subnormal child. Subnormalchild.com is where you can sign up for my newsletter as well, which is where I share a lot of stuff, including um, early access to creative containers that I'll be launching in June I'm really excited to work with folks um, one-on-one in a consistent way to create consistent change and transformation for folks. And you can learn more about um, those creative containers from my website. There's going to be an application put out soon for you to, um, you know, tell me more about yourself, your journey and make sure that we're a good fit together. Cause that's also a really big part of what I want to do is really create change for folks and make sure that I'm the right um, person to be of service for that change. Um, again, that's subnormalchild.com. And then lastly, I have a podcast as well that I hope to have you on um, the subnormal podcast. And that's where I interview artists with spiritual practices because what inspires us artistically is what fuels us spiritually. Um, So I think that is it. And yeah, I look forward to connecting with folks and 
making magic happen, making some art. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Lauren. It's been such a privilege and a pleasure. Definitely check out Lauren, uh, check out the Patreon, check out the website, check out the podcast. Uh, anyone that is fortunate enough is going to be just blessed with, with abundant blessings of creativity working with you. So um, super excited to get on your podcast too. And uh, thank you everyone for joining us today. And we'll see you again next time. Take care. Thanks.